Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's an And welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. Uh, I'm Phil Kirkbride, the Everton reporter, and joining me uh, today are a front two of uh, Dave Prentice and Chris Beasley. And a fronted two after the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, unfortunately, as we'd hoped from the last podcast, we do not come with positive news from Vicarage Rose. Unfortunately, yet another away defeat. Everton's away form is... Amongst the worst in the country, never mind the Premier League, and Saturday offered no reason for optimism that that will change anytime soon. Um, Prenos, I'll start with you. What was your sense, um, certainly of the frustration of the supporters who were, who were sat freezing near to death in the way end of Vicarage Road? What was, what was your sense of how they felt after the 1-0 defeat at the weekend? Um, upset, angry, uh, appalled. That's a, a lack of ambition more than anything. Um, I think we saw a Watford team who've had a couple of like you know moments recently. The game against Chelsea, they were particularly impressive, but they're a team not particularly high on confidence that looked like they were there to be got at, and Everton didn't try to go at them. Um, the, the most symbolic moment for me was you know nil nil ten minutes to go, and you referred to it yourself in your piece that Morgan Schneiderlin is lined up uh, to come on presumably to see out a goalless draw. Very similar to the approach at Arsenal, which backfired, um, you know, having had his fingers burned by trying to be slightly more expansive at Tottenham. Um, but this is Watford. And I think, you know, trying to shore up a game to see out a goalless draw just, you know, wound up so many people. And then, you know, obviously Troy Deeney scored, you know, fairly soon after that. And then belatedly, two more attacking, you know, substitutions are then made. And it's just this ongoing trying not to lose games you know so rather than getting on the front foot and trying to get at teams especially teams like Watford who you know let's face it aren't exactly you know world beaters mm. and I can understand why there was a lot of upset I was disappointed that um, Theo Walcott that went down to the away fans and tried to give his shirt uh, to a young supporter was basically turned on by a group of Evertonians and you know given a the sharp edge of their tongue, he was know, the only one, and he was one of the brighter players on the he day. He was the yeah. only one who yeah. dared go as close as that. I think yeah. it's probably worth pointing out. But you know, I understand the frustration. I can understand, you know, so why they reacted that way. And I think until we see, you know, a change in emphasis, you know, the the way Everton go at teams at Goodison Park, introduced into away matches, 
we're going to continue to see it. You know, Burnley at the weekend. You suspect they're going to go there and try and you know keep it tight and grind it out again. And it's just it's frustrating seeing the same you know attitude week after week. Chris, are we unlikely to see a change in in Sam Allardyce's approach until Everton reach the forty point barrier? Is it that cut and dried, or will we never see a change in his approach? I think that he's comfortable in in the way. He's playing and he, he tries to vindicate that. I remember after the, the last home game, the Crystal Palace game, he was saying, oh, there's entertainment for you or words to that effect and bigging up the fact that he's got a decent home record. But I think that the fact that the away form is so poor points to some sort of uh, mental def- deficiency in the group, a lack of character in some respects. But in regards to the, the, the way that they're... They're playing. I can't see it um, changing um, um, too too much in in the coming weeks. He's, he's got that um, same group of players. I can't see that too much change in personnel. And I think that it will be a case, of, unfortunately, of attempting to, to grind out those results. I think we need to get away from this um, involved in a relegation fight, trying to get to forty points. That sends out a negative mindset straight away. I don't think Everton have ever been involved in a relegation battle this season. I think Farhad Mashiri panicked. Um, Understandably, after the Southampton performance, which is why you know he decided to you know to bring in Sam Allardyce, but I don't think Everton were in danger of suffering relegation. Uh, maybe I'm being a little bit naive there, but even now, the, the seven points you know so clear of you know so the bottom of the table, they're much much closer. If they win at Turf Moor on Saturday, they go level with Burnley, and Burnley are seventh. And I think that should be accentuated uh, you know by the manager, by the coaching staff. Funnily enough, uh, Jordan Pickford uh, spoke on the club website this afternoon, and he pretty much said that you know we were Everton. You mentioned it two or three times. We are Everton. We've got to look up the table, and I think that's what has to be done. And we're hearing too much negativity at the moment, too much focus on getting away from the relegation zone and getting forty points. Forget that. I think that's a given. Uh, maybe I'm being overly confident here, but. Should be looking ahead. Should be looking to trying to reel in, you know, so Leicester City, Burnley, and we just don't get that message often enough. Chris, therefore, mm-hmm. is, is is what Preno's saying? Does that come back to is Sam inherently negative, inherently cautious? Is he too cautious? Is he too cautious to take Everton forward? I'm not one of these people who uh, are the big downer on Sam. I was surprised that. Um, he did end up coming to Everton, uh, not in the end because there was such dire straits when he did come in, but I, when Cooman went, I didn't think that um, he would end up going to Everton. But I'm not one of these people who's always had a big downer on Sam. I think he's been unfortunate in some respects. The other big job he got in his career at Newcastle, I don't think he was treated um, too well there and he was a bit unfortunate there. But the, um, the way things have panned out, he perhaps hasn't helped himself at times and the way Dave speaks about this um, approach of looking over your shoulder rather than looking up I know it's a strange old season with what's going on in the bottom half of the Premier League and with it being so tight but um, there is an opportunity here to go to to go a bit um, more expansive and he keeps talking about getting himself safe so they can look forward to next season but the best thing for Sam Allardyce if he wants to be there next season is to actually show something this season in regards to those performances between now and the end of the campaign Preno has Sam for want of a better phrase almost been caught on the hop has he been a victim of his own success in those first seven games went unbeaten climbed the table swiftly to ninth at which point the focus and the challenge changes not from keeping Everton in the league it's to 
right? Show us what you're made of. Show us why Farhad says you're one of the most underrated managers in England. Show us that you can take the club forward. Do you think in that respect it's come quicker than he expected and therefore perhaps he hasn't been ready for it? Maybe he's fighting it? I don't Possibly, know. yeah. I think he, you know, he came in ready to batten down the hatches and you know, let's uh, try and you know, grind our way to safety. And like I say, I don't think Everson were ever really you know, deeply involved in a relegation battle. Uh, I think that battle had already been won you know, on the Wednesday night when we beat West Ham 4-0 and you know, suddenly made a little surge up the table. Um, yes, I mean, there were major problems that needed addressing at the time. The defence was awful. I mean, that Southampton game, I don't think I've seen a team defend as badly as us, you know, ever uh, in wearing royal blue. Uh, and some did turn that round, you know, briefly, you know, so fairly quickly. But, you know, those defensive deficiencies have returned to haunt us again. Uh, but, you know, the hardest part is, I suppose, trying to be more expansive after that. He tried it at Tottenham and got his fingers burned. But you don't give up. You don't think, right, okay, let's batten down the hatches again. Let's try and ground out a few more goalless draws and get to 40 points. Everson do have the personnel in the squad to try and be a little bit more offensive than that. I mean, Theo Walcott, uh, if, if Cheng Tosin isn't going to do it as a centre-forward, Theo Walcott's played in that position before and played there very effectively. Is that worth looking at? Playing Gilfie Sigurdsson more regularly in a number 10 role, I think would certainly help. Uh, you know, Yannick Balassi, you know, looks like he's back to full fitness starting him in games more regularly. You know, there are options there. I just think Everton have got to try and be more positive, you know, so try and win games more rather than trying not to lose games. Chris is, is one of several issues facing Sam, whether he would accept that or whether he would be aware of it. Is, is one of the issues a disconnect with supporters, a... Uh, a gap between the two perceptions the perceptions of Sam of what's good and what's good football and perceptions of, of an ambitious fan base is he facing similar problems therefore that Martinez facing in the, in the latter part of his reign and to some extent Ronald Koeman I didn't really buy into that, that he was disconnected and, and, and too cold about Everton is Sam facing that 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 same issue where he's not listening or, or aware of sentiment from the stands enough I certainly think there's a, a disconnect in that respect. I think it's quite different than Martinez, who was a um, totally different way of playing. And uh, I think the coolness with Koeman just came with his general manner in that he saw Everton as just another club and that ultimately probably made him more dispensable, um, mm. given that he said, yeah, I'll do three years, but no one ever expected him to go beyond that three years. Um, Aldai's got an even shorter contract at um, 18 months. Um, yeah, I think there, there definitely is that. I mean, we can get carried away because in our um, roles now, we're very much with the social media and we sort of see these views amplified and magnified in, in many ways and the instant reaction when things aren't going wrong. But I think generally he, he is on a different page than a lot of the supporters in this respect in that um, he's... He, certainly he likes to paint this picture the way he sees the things going and indeed the home form is, pre, is pretty decent but when things are so bad uh, away from home you, you can't just say oh well we, we didn't have um, a clinical finish is what I think he said on, on Saturday um, he spoke when he um, was coming up to January transfer window how his first signing was going to be a real crucial one yeah. didn't he and um, Tosin um, just hasn't done it yet and hasn't been given much of a chance to no and I think you know, constantly I wouldn't, I wouldn't not say throwing players under the bus but you know there has been a criticism of the players quite regularly recently um, and I just don't really see that as being a way to get the best out of them 
I mean, Tosin, by all accounts, was on fire in Dubai on the training camp out there um, and looked like he was ready to make an impact. Obviously, he didn't make an impact at the weekend and then is immediately you know, publicly criticised mm. by the manager in the press conference. And it's almost appears to be a tactic to divert attention away maybe from himself or maybe he's just being brutally honest I don't know uh, but I just wonder how the players you know are responding to that privately you know do, do they accept that criticism you know do they you know do their ego their very fragile ego suffer and you know they they fail to perform as a result and as you mentioned earlier Chris you know there seems to be a distinct lack of strong character uh, in that squad and there shouldn't be because yeah. there's enough leaders there there's enough well, international skippers well we've spoken about and written about in the, in, in the past few weeks that we wonder whether Sam is falling victim to to what ultimately did for Unzi in terms of that lack of stability and that lack of Good certainty point. that yeah. he will be there beyond the end of the season and whether players are just simply going through the motions and will do enough to get enough points to extinguish if there is any remaining uh, threat of relegation but just speaking about this little pop quiz Evan have 10 games left this season how many games will they have to win out of those 10 to equal last season's points tally oh gosh yeah. my maths has always been dodgy so yeah go, go over to Kraskin here <laughs> go on Chris that's it a guess four I'd say six they have to win nine games really yeah wow yeah, 34 points are on the minute. They got 61 last season. Oh, I, I think that's the crux of things in that seventh is very attainable for Everton, but they're so much further away. Yeah, so, seventh in a really poor were, season. Yeah, be, I reckon, yeah. so Burnley are three points ahead of Everton, aren't they? 37 yeah. points. Seventh this season with 10 games remaining will probably be achievable. Low 50s, right. yeah. possibly, which is, you know, just back to... So, yes. Back to a different era almost, isn't it? You know, yeah. Given that Everton had 72 and finished fifth yeah. with Martinez. That's why it feels so bad for Everton. We were trying to talk about this before the weekend, saying all that's gone wrong this season, and yet they could still finish seventh, mm. and it, it should be a positive. But people go on the game, they're, they're not happy, they're not happy with the football that's being played. It's just a, a real sort of downer on everything. Can't wait for the season to finish. And that shows you the points difference, because... Seventh would just paper over a lot of the cracks, really, what has been a very frustrating and uh, poor season for Everton. I made the point last week uh, in the, the comment for Friday's paper that they have been dealt a bad hand this season, Everton. And you know, it sounds like you're making excuses, but uh, at the start of the season, it was undeniably uh, the toughest set of fixtures to open a season that any Premier League team had ever had based on the previous season's yeah. finishing positions. So, you know, there was always a possibility that they were going to get off to a slow start and confidence would suffer as a result. Exactly what happened. You look at the Europa League results. Atalanta came within a hair's breadth of knocking out Borussia Dortmund. They were really unfortunate not to do so. Lyon did knock out Villarreal, uh, you know, the sixth-place team in La Liga. So that was a real tough old It was the group of death, I suppose, in Europe. The Carabao Cup, Chelsea away. Mm-hmm. Everton haven't won there since 1995. The FA Cup, well, we was at the FA Cup, and then Liverpool, you know, where Everton haven't yeah. won, you know, since 1999. So everything that possibly could have gone wrong, you know, has gone wrong in in that respect. But, but Pre- they haven't helped themselves. I was going to say, but yeah. I know the flip side is that the club spent 150 odd million yeah. pounds this summer, yeah. another near 50 in January. Yeah, got no excuse. Yeah, I, you know. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's just. It wasn't really excuse making. It was mm. just pointing out that you know it has been you know really tough this season. But yeah, they haven't helped themselves because, I mean, the absolute criminal point was not replacing Romelu Lukaku. Mm. Uh, yeah. 
been tell him you're not leaving until we brought the replacements in. Yeah. And you know he would have had to accept that. And you know, okay, Olivier Giroud was close, but it wasn't sealed. You know, therefore, I, I don't know if anybody was like me, anybody was listening and was watching the game at Old Trafford yesterday, and I saw Giroud come off the bench, yeah. and I screamed at the telly, "You <laughs> swapped one bench for another, yeah. and you could have come to Everton and played every week." Yeah, but it's a bench in London, and yeah, that's where <laughs> Mrs. Giroud wanted to be. <laughs> just, was, I, they just found it particularly frustrating that sight of uh, a Giroud just warming another bench when he could well, have been t- to be honest watching Lukaku's performance is what frustrates me the most mm. because it's, you don't know what you've lost till it's gone mm. and you know we all knew how good Lukaku was you know I I know he wasn't everybody's cup of tea you know amongst the fan base but I remember his home debut against Newcastle and just yes. that thrill of excitement to, you know what a great player we had on our hands here and even now, you know, he's like so strong. He's okay. He's a flat track bully. We're told he only scores goals against you know the lower teams, unless it's Chelsea, you know, which uh, <laughs> he did yesterday. Now he's just, and he's so consistent in terms of appearances, fitness, and you know, to lose a player of that quality was bad enough, and then not to replace him, you know, with a player of equal you know levels, it's just that that's been the biggest problem. Transfer recruitment has been flawed all season, but that is the biggest single flaw of the whole lot. Absolutely. Absolutely shameful, really. Um, tomorrow, February the 27th, marks the two-year anniversary of the first time that Farhad Mashiri's name was uttered by Evertonians when it was announced by the football club that it was intention to purchase 49.9% of the shareholding. Two years passed. Chris, as we go into year number three, mm-hmm. obviously we're off plan, we're off, we're off track a little bit, obviously yeah. because of the events of this, uh, this mm-hmm. season. What would be at the top of Fahad Mashiri's to-do list come May the 15th or whenever the end of the season is? Unfortunately, oh, unfortunately he can afford it, but I think he's going to have to sign a lot more cheques. Um, <laughs> is that included a severance cheque? It could, it could, it could well be. Yeah, um, I'm sure he didn't want to do that. I'm sure he didn't want to go through a load of managers because it would be manager number three. He's, we he's would fired in less. In theory, we would be going to Ronald Koeman's glorious final third season, wouldn't we? Of the contract where Champions <laughs> League was on the table. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure um, Mashiri didn't uh, want to go into that, um, being a hire and fire him owner, but. Things haven't panned out the way I'm sure he would have imagined for, and he's not got the sort of return he would have expected on his investment. So you're possibly looking at it'd be another six million pound check to pay off Mr. Allardyce if that was the case, and then even more money on the, an, another massive squad overhaul. He's actually finding out how difficult uh, running a football club is now, uh, because these are his decisions. You know, it was it was his decision to part company with Ronald Koeman. Uh, it was very much his decision to bring in Sam Allardyce and you know lots of uh, brickbats you know were thrown at Bill Kenwright in the past but one thing he did have was a fairly cool head um, in times of crisis some would say too cool you know he uh, stuck with you know David Moyes for a long long time but you know I'm a big David Moyes fan and I think what he did for Everson Football Club is often underestimated Uh, you know the the platform he gave Roberto Martinez to take Everton on to fifth and then unfortunately it all fell apart after that but you know isn't given the credit it deserves um, but Fahad Mashiri is finding out that you know if you make changes you know you, you live and die by what happens subsequently and it's his decision to bring in Sam Allardyce and 18 month contract was a strange one like you mentioned earlier Phil it's you know do the players look at that and do the players think well he's only going to be here for five minutes therefore you know they start to take a few liberties here and there. It's difficult. But yeah, he's calling the shots now. He's making these big decisions and um, he's having to get some, you know, get them right. Um, 
Sam Allardyce, well, let's be polite, the jury's feeling very much out at the moment on um, you know, what his managerial tenure is going to be like. Off the pitch, everything's been going great. I mean, you know, the, the progress of Bramley Mordock has been excellent. He's cleared the club debts. He's, uh, he's bought the Liver buildings. <laughs> he's, uh, no, he's, he's done lots and lots of very you know, significant things. Um, you know, he's, he's created, you know, or he's made money available uh, for you know, Emerson managers to bring in the kind of talent that they want. But the most crucial decision of all is you know, getting that you know, right manager in place and whether he has that at the moment, well, we, we don't know. Results would suggest otherwise. Chris, do the events of October into November, those near 40 days yeah. when the saga for the Cummins replacement uh, became incredibly drawn out, does that experience mean that Farhad will get it right in the summer? Either way, whether that's sticking with Sam or replacing him? I think, he, like Dave said, he is finding it difficult. He's, his heart's very much in the right place. Mm. His wallet's in the right place. Mm. Um, but it's it's tough, isn't it, for these men who know nothing but success in their lives. These very successful businessmen, and they they've got anything that um, money can buy, and then they find that football isn't isn't like that. You've got this established yeah. top elite six clubs in English football now. They, I mean, it's hard enough for them. Six into four won't go, and they're competing for those four Champions League places. So unless you're like Man United last season, and possibly Arsenal this year, going through the back door via when Europa League is an extra Champion League space. Mm. It's so difficult. So for somebody like Everton trying to sort of get onto their coattails, it, it, it's even harder. Possibly never been a, a tougher time. Um, when Man City got their money and it was a lot more money relatively, there was perhaps a bit more of a, a gap in the market almost for them now, where it's actually become well, e- even tougher now. If, if, if you look at those established top six, I mean, Manchester United went for an absolute elite manager, Jose Mourinho, probably the best, you know, most successful out there. Manchester City went for the biggest name in Europe, you know, so Pep Guardiola. Um, you know, Chelsea, Antonio Conte, absolute top level. The only one that obviously didn't is Arsene Wenger, you know, so Arsenal stuck with Arsene Wenger and probably reaping the dividends there now. If Everton wants to be considered as part of that top six, I've not mentioned Klopp, of course, at Liverpool, Pochettino, yeah. you know, who was, you know, absolutely, you know, tearing up trees, you know, at Southampton, then, you know, was, was you know, taken to Tottenham. If Everton wants to be considered part of that, I think they probably need to be as ambitious as that, uh, bringing in a manager. And Sam Allardyce has brought him because he's a relegation specialist and Farhad Mashiri rightly or wrongly thought Everton were involved in a relegation battle and therefore he would be the most successful at succeeding in that. If he does, and you know, I'm sure he will, um, Emerson, if they want to be part of the top six, they've got to start thinking about an absolute elite level manager. You know, with respect to Sam Allardyce, you know, his record in the past suggests that you know he's not that kind of manager. Everton have got to look for an absolute, you know, sort of top name. Whether they're out there, you know, Diego Simeone, we're told, you know, expressed an interest in the Everton project many months ago. Mm. Whether he would still be interested, I'm not so sure. But you know, that level of manager is what Everton requires. So, Prana, because you weren't involved in last week's podcast where we spoke extensively about this man, does that therefore rule out for you, Marco Silva? I think it does, yeah. I think he's a, a, a could-be manager, possibly on the lines of Pochettino. And you know, he hadn't really achieved that much when he went to Tottenham, but there were clear signs that you know he knew what he was about. You know, he was a very, very upwardly mobile manager. For me, Marco Silva did okay. You know, sort of a whole city, uh, but got them relegated. Mm. Um, and likewise at Watford, you know, he did okay. And then the convenient excuse of Everton's interest derailing their season, uh, and they've fallen apart. So you know, he's, he's 
impressed in patches, but not enough, I don't think, to suggest that he should be able to manage it. I listened to the podcast, I thought it was very good, and I know Gavin was absolutely adamant that he would take him tomorrow. Mm. You know, I, I disagree. I don't think he's good enough for where Everton want to be. I think it would be a gamble, it would be a risk, and it's got to be you know, a manager who's achieved more in football. Just just a quick last one, something I just thought I'd, I'd ask you on. Chris, mm-hmm. you mentioned there about Fahad's wallet's in the right place, and obviously his money hasn't just gone on transfers. You know, I think that's something we should clarify. People think that he just funds all transfers. He doesn't. His money has, has topped up the yeah. the coffers in that respect. His money's gone on improving Finch Farm, Goodison, etc., clearing debt, what have you. But does Farhad now, if he's controlling the purse strings for the next manager, if it's Sam or not Sam, does he have to actually go, actually, I want more out of my manager, therefore I'm not going to give you as much money to spend as I did the previous manager, I want you the, the money, there's loads of it, but I'm going to give you less and I want it to go further. Does that not, is that what the approach has got to be now? Because Everton can spend 40 million, 45 million on a player, they can go and spend 25s and 30s like it's going out of fashion, but is that really taking Everton to the next level because the evidence of this season suggests it's not let's make our money work let's put more pressure on the director of football yeah it does seem strange doesn't it saying that spend less money but I sort of noticed a comment from one of the fans over the supporters and sorry one of the supporters over the weekend saying it was I enjoyed it more when we were skint (laughs) (laughs) and you can all you can't take that at face value but if you think about it He's probably alluding to the fact that Moyes had to be very careful over the sort of players that he would buy, and often he would he'd get it right. He would he'd put real hard work into the scouting and recruitment of players and get the best value for money. Because one thing we are for sure we can all agree on is that a lot of these signs have not been value for money for Everton. They haven't um, justified those price tags, even in an inflated. Market, so it would be uh, an interesting approach to say, well, you know, you got less to spend, but uh, you know, if you, perhaps if you show me that you got, a, you can bring in the yeah. right players, then and maybe that's, loosen the purse. That's what I was, that's what, yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm getting yeah. out the back of yeah. what Sam said. About, the players not offering value for money, Preno. Has he has he has he got to put the emphasis? He Farhad will go look. Yeah, I've got the money, but you've got to show me you can use it. Well, uh, does he make the decisions on that, or is it Steve Walsh? I mean, he actually says well, that he would be one of the yeah, people that yeah, yeah, exactly. You can use it. He, he says that there's uh, a discussion, you know, and they all make a group decision. I think his recruitment, you know, he's only been here five minutes, but his recruitment has been okay. Theo Walcott was a very good signing. I was delighted when Emerson signed him, and uh, he's hit the ground running. Um, Cheng Tosin, we don't know whether that, that will be a success or not. I noticed Tony Cascarino in the Times today mm-hmm. saying he already thinks it's going to be a flop. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit harsh, you know, the guy's only been here five yeah, minutes yeah, and it yeah. can take time for them to settle. But now, I, I take the point, I mean, but if he doesn't give Sam Allardyce uh, cash, that gives him a, a very easy excuse then to say, you know, why he hasn't been a success or, you know, why the season hasn't panned out the way he wanted because, you know, the, the okay. personnel he wanted maybe weren't, you know, brought to him. Plays, playing devil's advocate, Sam. You'll continue after the, towards the end of the season. You'll you'll go. You'll run through your eighteen month contract. You've been handsomely paid. You've been paid probably, you know, market rate, but above probably what you would have been getting if we were in the trouble we were. You've got a certain budget now. Show me you're as good a manager as you say you are, and I believe you are. Is that not a fair? You know, look, Everton have got more money than they've ever had. But what I'm saying is, is it too easy for managers just to spend it and not think about it enough? Yeah, Everton have got a major PR exercise on their hands between now and the end of the season because uh, a lot of the fans that I speak to um, were more than happy to give Sam Allardyce, you know, sort of time and to give him the you know 
benefit of any doubt that might have been out there, you know, as, as a manager who's always been linked with teams that are struggling, as a manager who, and I know we had a, you know, a conversation with you last week about how he feels his style of play has been very unfairly portrayed. What's a rubbish. But exactly, yeah. But a lot of fans, you know, were prepared to give him time and prepared to, you know, okay, you know, not the manager maybe we'd wanted, but, you know, let's give him a chance and let's see how he does. And unfortunately, I'm hearing less and less voices like that now. I'm hearing more and more fans who are unhappy with what they're seeing. They want to see you know, more ambition. They want to see more enterprise. They want to see more attacking football. And Everton have got to show that. Sam Allardyce has got to show that between now and the end of the season. Otherwise, I think you know, we could see a change. I mean, Farhad Mashiri uh, has made it clear that, you know, he likes Sam Allardyce. He's a tidy football brain. He rates him. Um, but results, you know, underline everything. And Sam Allardyce has said that himself. You know, if he wants to see out his 18-month contract, he knows results have got to improve. And I think Everton have got a, a very good PR exercise on their hands here to try and convince the fans that things are going in the right direction. Ultimately, you know, results will do it. You know, so Everton need to get a result at Burnley at the weekend. And that's mm-hmm. going out there and trying to win, not going out there and trying to grind a nil-nil draw because no one's going to be impressed by that. But actually taking the game to Burnley and trying to have a go and trying to win and then build on it you know, so, and try and get you know, towards seventh place Obviously, that throws up the possibility of Europa League football again next year. That's, that's a different argument. And I would argue that Everton <laughs> should be in the Europa League. You know, so there's no way that should be looked on as you know, uh, a booby prize. That's something Everton should be you know, aiming for. But uh, that's a different day, different argument. Indeed. This is the very last one, Chris, and I'm going to bring to come to you. Michael Ball in his terrific column again. He really is proving to be a top columnist uh, on Merseyside. Once again, uh, in this, uh, today's column, he, in, a, in a small piece at the bottom, he says... He fears that Turf Moor has turned into what Goodison used to be, the ground that nobody wanted to go to, and that Goodison has lost that title, I'm paraphrasing here by the way, yeah. and that Turf Moor is the ground that nobody relishes travelling to and playing at. Is he right? Well, Burnley haven't won in 12, have they, something like that? Um, December the 14th, I think, was their um, last win, and they've stayed in seventh place all that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. People, people just talk yeah. about the uh, the hills and the mills when they go to, to Burnley. It seems to be it seems to be the law. Um, I love going there. It's only down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be yeah. all for that. Blackburn, Burnley, Bolton. Yeah, I'd be all for that. Yeah, the expense of Southamptons and Brighton. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. Um, I like I, I rate Sean Dyche back in the autumn when we were talking about who you'd want to go to to Everton. I mm. said out of the candidates that were out there. Um, Sean Dyche was the one uh, I'd have gone for. Um, I don't think they'll go back for him now in the summer if, mm. if Mr. Allardyce does go. But um, I think he's done a terrific job there. Um, Sean Dyche, I think he's done as well as anybody could have done under those resources. Um, as for if it's like, because I can see where Baldy's coming from, and that um, you know it's, it's all like um, sort of that siege mentality, and um, it, it would be a sort of tough place to go with the, the fans on, on top of you. But um, like I said, the recent form has been um, very poor, but they've just sort of clung onto that seven because the likes of Everton mm-hmm. below them are so inconsistent. But as, as opposed to the ground that nobody fancies going to, um, I, I think that you've you've got to go there and have, have a bit of a go. And yeah, doing that I'm not so sure, mate. I don't think Turf Moor is being that intimidating kind of arena. Like, for argument's sake, West Ham used to be the Berlin ground, you know, where it was tight and the, pl- the fans were on top of you. I always think Turf Moor is a bit more open. Mm. Um, I think Borley was also speaking about in his column about 
those those home comforts you get in the modern stadium aren't at Turf Moor. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, phys- physically it can be a grim place to go. And let's face it, the weather forecast this week isn't yeah. particularly clement, is it? And so, no, the uh, the wind, you know, whips in off the hills uh, and it, it's going to be, you know, an unpleasant place. But hey, these are professional footballers we're talking about. It's a bit of wind and a bit of uh, yes. rain or a bit of sleet shouldn't worry them. Uh, no, I mean, Burnley... It's maybe not a bad time uh, to go there. Like I said, they haven't had a, a great run recently, but they were mightily impressive against Manchester City there mm. only a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know got a thoroughly well earned draw against the team. It's absolutely blown everybody away this season. So Everton are going to have to be on their game to get anything. It's just one ambition: just wanting to go out there and try and win the game. Yeah. You know, so try and get three points, not one. And I think that is a very fair team talk if Sam is listening and looking for one. So uh, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for uh, joining in the latest Royal Blue podcast. Thanks very much for your time and stay with the Echo. We'll rejoin uh, around the table later in the week, hopefully, and preview more of the Burnley game. But stay with the Echo for the best Blues news and analysis.